Welcome to Off the Cuff, where Mish and Chris discuss the week's events informally and without a script. Welcome, Mish. You know, there's quite a few things on my plate today. We just had the QE announcement, so you and I can review how we did last week in our call. Not well in terms of the call, but I think reasonably well in terms of the impact of what would happen if QE did come down. Uh, you've got some new California sales tax numbers. I'm looking at some FedEx data here that's really interesting. Transports, even with this whole rally, are not looking great. They tend to be a good leading indicator. Uh, and of course, I do want to at least ruminate a bit. What is going on with China and Japan? You know, Is this going to just be a little saber rattling and will it die down? But if it doesn't, then what? So where very do we start? Hard to say, very hard to say. Let's start with uh, with China Japan thing. Very hard to say where that goes. By the way, these are unpopulated islands that they're fighting over. This is a territorial uh, dispute. Uh, uh, China and Japan is known for such territorial disputes. However, this one seems to be escalating at a pace that, let's just say, um, beyond what we've seen before. So um, where it leads, I don't know. Um, Ambrose uh, Evans Pritchard on the Telegraph uh, had a post out the other day saying that China is actually threatening to dump, you know, Japanese bonds. Certainly, the sentiment and the protests in some cities in Ch- Japan and China both are are heating up. In the past, these things have heated up like this and then cooled down. But, you know, the U.S. is kind of an offense here. You know, who do we support here? The U.S. really does not want to piss off either Japan or China. We've already got, you know, trade war rattlings going on with China where Obama and Mitt Romney are trying to outdo each other as who can start the biggest trade war. They don't phrase it that way, but unfortunately, economically speaking, that's about what's going to happen. I, I talked about that on Capital Account yesterday with Lauren Lister. Uh, so this China thing can can be pretty big, or it can do what they normally do, fizzle out. I don't know. You know, I'm seeing that the populace in China is very heavily engaged. Uh, one of my members is uh, over there right now and, and thought that maybe this would be just sort of a manufactured propaganda thing at the state level, but says, no, actually, the people there are really fired up. Um, this is, yes. you know, on the street level at this point in time. But I think at the higher levels, they're also uh, pretty focused on this, maybe for slightly less nationalistic reasons. Those islands are located right in the East China Sea. It happens to be a sedimentary basin. There's there's very good uh, ideas that there's uh, oil and gas there. Both countries, China and Japan, uh, obviously would be interested in that for the resources that those barren little rocks actually uh, will give to the whoever owns them, right? So mm-hmm. somebody's yeah, going to get those, and you can extend your territorial waters around those. And Taiwan has a claim in all this. So, so it's pretty. There, there's a lot of history there. There's uh, some some very generationally old bad blood uh, at mm. play here, and there's resources involved. So it has the potential. It really caught me by surprise how quickly that that escalated. But it's uh, seems to be on the ascendancy still. I don't see it dying down yet. And and I, and, and I don't know if you caught this, and I can't remember where I read it, but. Um, one of the things China is is considering doing, in addition to this thing that the Telegraph mentioned of selling uh, uh, bonds, which actually, if they did that, that might even help Japan because it would probably just soak them up, cause the currency to go down, which it's itching to, to have the yen go down anyway. So I don't know that 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 would do much to Japan. However, um, one of the other things they were mentioning was uh, cutting off rare earth supplies. Well, you 
know, that's another matter, because those things are used in cell phones, military equipment that would piss off the United States and Japan and Korea. Well, actually, you know, it would piss off the, the United States and Japan or, you know, and everyone that depends on Japan for any kind of goods. So, you know, that's the kind of thing. And already the United States is bitching um, in the World Trade Organization that, that Japan is hoarding rare earth metals and, and, not, and not sending them. And, as, you know, how funny, you know, the shoe goes on the other foot. <laughs> when when uh, you, you want China to uh, give us more of something rather than less of something, how quickly the uh, the, the uh, table turns there on on uh, uh, wanting free trade all of a sudden when it comes to rare earth metals, but not uh, when it comes to uh, autos. Mm-hmm. So you know th- th- that's the way that two edged uh, uh, sword is is going. Well, you know, I'm looking at this from the position of uh, if if this does escalate into uh, something where there's, you know, a little bit of a trade embargoing going on and they shut trade down, horrible timing for Japan right now. I understand Japan probably could absorb those bonds if if, uh, China decided to sell some. What did uh, Japan's Bank of Japan just went from 70 to 80 trillion yen, which is an increase of, I guess, about 130, 40 billion, something like that in their QE programs, right? Great twin effects. The Nikkei got driven up. The yen got driven down. Mission accomplished. uh, And but, you know, Japan is in really precarious situation right now. China is their second largest trading partner. Even a slight hiccup in that export model uh, really is not going to help. Yes, exactly. So um, this has the potential to be a powder keg. It's also a story that not a lot of people are even following yet, which makes it, um, you know, it's not the story that's on the, the front of the Wall Street Journal that matters, but the one that's going to be there uh, in a week or 10 days that matters. And, uh, you know, this definitely has that potential. All right. Well, I just mentioned the Bank of Japan had done its QE efforts. And of course, we had the Fed coming out with QE Eternity, QE Forever, whatever this has been labeled now. Uh, and uh, pretty interesting, right? $40 billion a month plus rollovers of existing receipts coming in from MBS. Plus, I love the open-ended vague, whatever else is necessary. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> to infinity and beyond is how I described it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a, a theme I stole from, uh, God, what was that, uh, kid's Toy Story, I guess. Yeah, um, Toy Story, Buzz Lightyear. <clears throat> Buzz Lightyear. But, um, yeah, well, we got that wrong. However, uh, we both said that we knew that they were going to do it. It's just a matter of time. We just didn't think it was going to be in September. But what this tells me, however, is is that the Fed is looking, is, the Fed is, is spooked. And uh, some people suggested that the Fed might be spooked at at Mitt Romney's statement that he was going to get rid of Bernanke. <laughs> well, it, you know, certainly there's, you know, at least it's in the back of Bernanke's mind, right? But I think he's spooked about the job numbers and um, the household survey in general. We've lost close to a million people dropping out of the labor force in the last two months. That is incredible, apps, uh, actually. 571,000 or something like that, another uh, uh, 400,000 or something uh, last month. I mean, those are big, big numbers. Actual employment declined by uh, over 200,000 in the last two months, 119,000 this last month. Uh, so, 
you know, I, I think he's got every reason to be spooked. Uh, that doesn't mean he needed to do anything about it or can do anything about it or he should, you know, even, you know, but this is what Bernanke does. You know, when the, the economy's bad, the the Fed launches some sort of program like this. That's right, what they so do. How is this going to help um, unemployment? Walk me through this. $40 billion a month, $10 billion a week. It's it's this week. You're a Fed staffer. I'm a Fed staffer. We have to spend $10 billion. We go out, we find somebody, hopefully a primary dealer, because we've got relations with them, who's holding on to some MBS paper. We say, hey, we'd really like that stuff there, right? So so we, we grab it from them. Uh, we give them the money in exchange. We now have the MBS paper on our books. This this large financial institution has $10 billion on its books. How how does walk me between that ten billion now on its books and employment or what happens <laughs> what, next? What happens next is the ten billion gets parked back into excess reserves at the Fed. You uh. know, so you know possibly they go out longer durations. I'm, okay, let's roll over some of these short term bonds. You know, we'll buy some long term bonds and uh, uh, you know, so as long as the Fed is committed committed now to holding interest rates low uh, until let's say 2015 so you know we can go out there and maybe just want to speculate and buy a five-year u.s treasury and sit on it so does that do anything for anyone in terms of jobs no it doesn't but it's free money to the banks so uh and they're going to have and if the economy actually i believe is in recession i keep reiterating that um it's not widely believed yet, though. But uh, if the economy's in recession, their banks are going to have more losses. So, you know, the Fed's helping them out with losses here by giving them, you know, guaranteed free money, essentially, to play around in, in five-year bonds. I guess one of the ideas here was that on that long end, by driving those rates down, that mortgage rates go down. And so this should help reignite the uh, asset bubble. Oops, I'm sorry, the asset market known as real estate over there. And I still don't understand this. Listen, if you can't afford a house at under 3% for a 15-year mortgage, I don't understand what shaving a couple of tenths off of that's going to do at this point. I mean, if that's your swing vote on your personal financial decision to buy a house, you're riding the edge on that one. So, well, it didn't even do anything. That's the interesting thing. It didn't do anything, you know, from the, you know, the drop from, um, what, five, close to five or four and a half, all the way down here to three. So... What's it going to do? Drop the two point? I've not even looked at rates lately, but you know it's not going to matter. How's it, how can it matter? Let's talk a couple leading indicators. And the purchasing index uh, for mortgage applications was abysmal. This reading that just came out this week. Uh, we've got the California sales tax, which again is not in comportment with uh, you know an advancement of any sort in the overall economy. And then we've got these really interesting uh, FedEx numbers. I'm looking at a chart here right now that shows the correlation between FedEx shipments and GDP. So imagine a graph with two scales, left hand, right hand. And uh, the you know as you can imagine, both numbers are, are a little wiggly, but boy, the alignment between them is really, really tight, very good, except for the last couple data points where shipments are way down and GDP still levitating a bit. One of those two things is gonna have to uh, correct towards the other at some point. What's your vote? Well, uh, my vote on this is, uh, you know my vote, actually. <laughs> I, 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 I got an email just this morning from Tim Wallace. He's the guy that puts these uh, uh, great uh, petroleum usage charts out for me based off of the, the weekly numbers. But he adds up the weeks for, for, 
for actually a number of months, and the Energy Department of the United States, uh, an analyst, the lead analyst there for the Energy Department, uh, I think his name is Beck, was it James Beck, uh, 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 said that his monthly reports are in line with what Tim, with what Wallace's uh, weekly reports are, and Wallace just pinged me here. The August September uh, numbers are running three percent negative to last year. September is actually down three and a half percent now. So uh, we've got petroleum usage further going into the gutter, and uh, FedEx shipments declining. Hmm, very believable to me. <laughs> very believable to me. If we do come into another period of slowness, and by the way, I happen to believe that the Fed is looking at uh, better information than we are in the sense that they probably have uh, as real time a peak at the economy as you can yep. have. They probably have preliminary figures, whatever they want, they have access to. So From the states, you yep, bet. Everything, right? And, and you know, people are tasked uh, to specifically sort of boil that down and, and give them the nuggets around that. So they're probably looking at what you and I get a little lagged peak at, but right now we're seeing signs of slowdown. The signs of slowdown are really there. So the Fed is going to do what it's going to do. They were trying both actions and words. The actions, the 40 billion, the words are, we'll do whatever's necessary if it comes down to it, folks. I got to be honest with you. I don't think 40 billion is enough. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Japan, a much, much smaller nation, has uh, been throwing much larger amounts on a proportional basis at their overall deflationary scenario for a very long time. It hasn't worked. Really, right. I had those charts out there, and they're kind of interesting. For all this talk and squabble um, uh, about Fed printing, ECB balance sheets and Bank of Japan balance sheets on a, a, a GDP-adjusted basis are way higher in both of those countries and also in the U.K. than in the United States. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, people just scream bloody murder about what the Fed is doing, and we see no mention of these uh, of what these other countries are doing. And, and we're supposed to believe, on the basis of what the Fed is doing, that it's going to cause hyperinflation. Good grief! You know, there, there, there's more printing in these other countries. It's, you know, that is actually U.S. dollar supportive. The Fed's going to catch up here now, which is U.S. dollar negative. So, uh, um, and the weird thing here is um, all these reports out on the Financial Times over the last couple of months, you know, saying what Europe needs actually is, is a declining euro to help uh, uh, European exports well, all these central bankers, they all want a lower yen, a lower dollar, a lower pound, a lower euro to help exports. Well, it's mathematically not possible. So what we're seeing here is global competitive currency debasement. That's what's going on here. They're all doing it. This is what we said would happen. We said the Fed would do this. We just didn't think in September, but we said as soon as they did, the price of gold would take off, and we certainly got that end of the story correct. Absolutely. You know, in the 20s, this was called beggar thy neighbor, where you know there was a, a lot of competitive currency devaluation as countries tried to get that relative advantage so they could at least have a healthy export market, which would you know lift them up out of the depression back then. So here we are, and, and this is a really important point you made, that hyperinflation cannot exist unless you have a border 
that's meaningful. So if, if by which I mean, if Japan is printing and the ECB is printing and the Fed is printing, really, wh what are you going to measure the dollar against? Because the USD um, basket is pretty much made up of, of uh, euros and yens with some nominal participation from other currencies. So that's it, right? And if, if everybody's printing, how do you get inf uh, an inflation against those other currencies? You won't really see it. So it'll be a stealth process, but you will see it in uh, the change in the value of those currencies against real stuff. Yes, yes. The price of gasoline going up, the price of food going up, food's going up for other reasons, as we've discussed. So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, you know, interesting today, the price, I'm, I'm not sure whether there was any reports or anything down. Um, uh, gasoline or uh, price of crude got, uh, uh, you know, sold off today. Um, I don't know whether that's the start of a trend here, but when I'm looking at that, I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, you know, crude's approaching a hundred dollars again, as it as it was a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's just not going to do the economy any good. Uh, so, you know, actually, I actually have my antennae wiggling a little bit on this crude tumble that that happened. So I'm looking at an article right now from September 17th, right, a couple days ago, and uh, they noted that at 1:54 p.m., light sweet crude for October delivery delivery plummeted to a low of 94.83. It was like four bucks off. Uh, it volume surged to 12,500 contracts in a single minute. Traders are scrambling. They're calling everybody up. They have no idea where this came from. And they, they, I've seen no explanation for this, which drives me nuts because they should be able to look in and say, who was that, right? Was, was that a fat finger? Like, who's, who did that? Somebody had a very strong desire to drive the price of crude down because when you're dumping 12,500, that is so many oil contracts. These are 1,000-barrel contracts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, extraordinary. I, I looked at the, uh, 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 saw that, and I'm sitting here thinking, what happened? I didn't know. I was hoping you would know. But, uh, uh, I mean, a lot of people are going to say, hmm, you think Obama wanting the price of oil down for the election has anything to do with this? I, I don't know. I throw that out. I don't think that's it, but, but you know, Lord only knows these days. Well, actually. listen, you and I are free to speculate in the absence of an answer. Uh, to me, it's just crazy that we would have something happen like that, which clearly looks manipulative to me. Either it's purely mercantile mercenary, I mean, when somebody's just trying to like make a profit by, you know, uh, slamming the bid. But the thing that drives me nuts is they have, they know who did it, right? This is the modern world, right? All you have to do is look at the trades and you can see who did that. I would just, I would, I've been waiting and I've been looking for the answer. Like, just tell me, because otherwise I have to speculate and I don't like what I come up with. I come up with all kinds of ideas about who might be doing this for nefarious purposes, but it's, it's one of those trades that's so off the mark that it stands out. And by the way, we had another run at it uh, today in, the, in a similar fashion. So somebody's hammering this. I'd like to know why. I'd like to know who. I think I, that would be good information to have. <laughs> I think so, too. All right, Chris. Uh, with that, I've got to run. Um, and uh, as always, a pleasure. And uh, hold on to your gold and silver, because they look like they're heading higher. <laughs> I certainly will. Be well. And I'll see you uh, pretty soon.